So welcome to another episode of the Unfinished Cubby podcast. With me today is Kaya Maya-Stewart, and we are going to be talking, I'm not sure what about yet exactly, but um, Kaya, welcome. Thanks for Thank joining Thank you. Me. The world is our oyster. I have exactly. no idea what we're talking about either, so I'm excited. Cool. Um, so we met at uh, working at Consensus together a few years back when, when that was all a, a blockchain was taking the world by storm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, remember it, that. <laughs> it's, it's kind of doing that again now, as a matter of fact, but um, the, the first mainstream appearance of, of blockchain. Um, I actually, I meant to check this if I've still got it, but I had a recording of uh, the interview uh, no. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that I still do. I think I removed it for hard drive space, but it was a neat one because, of course, then Consensus used to do interviews. It, it would have been like 20 people on this call. Um, I remember that one. You remember it? <laughs> that was uh, for a community manager, right? That's and right. Not the, yeah. not the one that you ended up doing with uh, Pegasus. Yeah. Right. And uh, did you watch it? I hope nobody's ever watched it. No, no, probably no one has. It was just on my laptop. Um, you <laughs> I hope I've still got it. I will check and I will let you know either way. Yeah. I'd be so interested. Sometimes I am interested in going back in time and hearing like where I was at in my blockchain journey in terms of the ideology that I was aligned to and then also the level of knowledge and, and deep technical knowledge, but then also economic knowledge, all of that kind of stuff. Because um, it changes and I feel like I know less now than I thought I did then, which makes sense. Charlie Kruger. Yeah. But, um, yeah do, do you ever feel that like do, the more that you find out the more that you feel less like an expert in in this field is it all fields sure um hey this is a great thing to go into um so look i and i'm especially to be honest i'd love to dive into the ideological side of it yeah. um yeah because when i first heard about ethereum i was like the world is changing i was so excited and really yeah 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 so so into the potential there and then the work that I ended up doing with consensus was all enterprise and it was all like, wait a minute, this is all public. How can we make it private? And wait a minute, the users are responsible for all of their things. How can we make it that users are not responsible? And it was sort of like always just working around everything that blockchain was. Mm -hmm. And just personally, I didn't, and you know, it's what I chose to get involved in as well. A lot of people stayed very true to the original idealistic origins but I, I just kind of got a bit jaded and yeah I've stepped right back I haven't been doing blockchain stuff at all um, oh. until actually just recently I'm doing some some work with um, DLTX um, really cool Lucas's, yeah. yeah yeah that's very cool yeah yeah so I've just started um, but yeah no I sort of um, so, so technically I'm a little bit out of it and, and need to really come up to speed, uh, but definitely I know what you're talking about. It's sort of too, I think it has a, um, I don't think mushroom is the right word, but almost fractal kind of mm. thing where it's this new idea, which is incredible that at its core is kind of simple, yep. but the, the places you can go with that new idea are incredible and kind of infinite. So that there, I think there's more and more uh, ideas in the space as it's evolving so i think there is actually more and more to know um, definitely yeah. and there's just like a, a ton of assumptions that we've like i think as a product manager to someone who was so interested in the use case and like being a use case type of person um but genuinely thinking like what are real problems that we can really solve mm. with 
you know, this distributed architecture, but that also has this other component tree that we has existed before, but now we're combining, um, you know, in terms of cryptography and then this idea of like a shared ledger, um, distributed, everyone gets a piece decentralized all over the world. And then, yeah, math kind of solving the, the problem of a, as a human maybe getting in the way and not having the right intentions or, you know, any of that messiness. But when you start solving for human messiness, you just kind of create more human messiness as you start to use these systems or like solve these problems. And like for supply chain and such, I was so interested in those supply chain traceability use cases and, and stuff before, because theoretically they make sense. Lots of different stakeholders and, you know, all of this complex, all these complex transactions and stuff happening. Um, but in real life, it doesn't really work the way you expect it to work. And blockchain technology has like, struggled to fit that space and I find that really interesting mm. and then, yeah and then but then in my realm now which is cyber security I mean for for the very small niche um problem that I want to solve which is you know basically how do you solve for um internal either bad actors or erroneous error or erroneous error erroneous users user error whatever I'm going to stop using the word erroneous user error or um you know people that are uh that are attackers like whether they belong to the system or not how do you stop them from initializing and then executing commands that are dangerous um and how do you put in some sort of like zero trust framework mm. um, turns out like consensus mechanisms are great for that and having an immutable ledger that says like this definitely happened mm -hmm. also good for that but beyond that like I want to go back to the days when I thought that we would have an open internet where all of us had a node like running on our phone mm. or device and we all just contributed in this like, so, you know, self-sovereign framework or paradigm. And that's my rant about that. <laughs> yeah, cool. No, no, no. There's so much in there that I want to go into. So that's good. Um, no, not at all. Um, where to start? Just the last thing that you said. Um, yeah, everyone running their own node. Like that was a big part of the promise of being completely distributed. But mm. I do remember as well, kind of first hearing about it, it's like, wait a minute, this thing's going to grow exponentially. And, you know, isn't that a problem? And, and it, it, that's always been kind of a hand waving. We'll, we'll sort that out. Let's just press forward. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, there are, there are a lot of things happening, but we're already like very early into it, not even a decade. True. It's not something, no, no, no. But I, the, the, cha the, you know, the chain's too big. It doesn't fit on anyone's home laptop anymore you know it's mm -hmm. not something that you can just casually do and I assume most nodes are running in the cloud I don't even know yeah yeah I mean that's my understanding I mean I had a bitcoin node running for a while but I had to take it I had to get rid of it because it was um yeah I'm gonna get a raspberry pi and run my own bitcoin node but I mean the level of complexity even um that it takes to just get your foot in the door and then dip your toe into the scariness that is like having responsibility over either your own data or your own wallet or whatever it is. Um, as someone who is very high level and not loving detail most of the time, it's not a very good fit for me to um, have that much control. But then when I wanna give control away, I'm just kind of doing it in a less effective way um, or, or a less efficient way than if I was, wasn't using blockchain. So it's kind of, yeah, I, I get messy, myself just thinking about the ideology that I think I believe in um, and then how much capacity I have to actually like rise up and meet that um, expectation that I have of society for you know all of us to want to mm. be doing these things transacting and interacting these ways in a very um, different 
structure that is less like power oriented. But let's let's uh, let's talk about ideology. Um, let I, I remember like and a, a reflection. I, I was kind of reflecting on in the early days what is it that is so exciting about this technology for me what's the thing and not just for me what 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 what's grabbed people here mm. and i think um like i actually think our legal system is one of the most transformative technologies of humankind i, I think it, like our legal system is actually amazing and the idea the premise that we are all subject no matter what our station to the same set of laws is something powerful and beautiful about that but we also all know that it's corrupt you know it, and there's you if you don't have you know if you if you're not if you can't afford a good lawyer you're incredibly disadvantaged and um so there's kind of this idea of of law um and then there's a the reality of it and and they don't quite meet and i think Certainly for me, and I, I suspect for a lot of people, blockchain was kind of, um, it was a suggestion of that there's these laws, everyone knows the laws, the laws are the same for everyone, and nobody can get around them. And there was something about that that was just so appealing. It was like a, a fix for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Equalizer. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, I don't know. I mean, like kind of going back to what you said about, um, you, you were talking about, you didn't put it like this, but what it brought to my mind was kind of the squishiness of humans. And, well, human error is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And, and humans are still making these rules. And, um, Barry has this wonderful notion. I think he wanted to write a science fiction story about a future blockchain world that was driven by AIs and where, the actual intention and purpose gets confused, but there are then these rules that everyone must follow. And some AI, it's like the, the paperclip thing. Um, do you know what I'm referring to there? The helpful paper paperclip, like from- No, 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 not the okay, Microsoft like, Office paperclip. Yeah, that no, one. Oh man, I'm referencing things that I, I don't know the full details of. Which like the helpful is, paperclip telling us what to do? I mean, I could- <laughs> no, no, sorry, so <laughs> what it is is, um, there uh, paper clips that there's some um oh, there's like a story paper. about an ai that um i think there it had is. a mission of writing letters or something and then are you googling this to yeah i totally awesome. am i don't even know if it thank you That's i think it's awesome. the paperclip or the ai paperclip game yeah someone's told me to play that a couple times yeah um right oh interesting so can you can you read yeah. the premise of it there? You've got it right there. Yes, I do. So philosophers have speculated that an AI tasked with a task such as creating paperclips might cause an apocalypse by learning to divert ever increasing resources to the task and then learning how to resist our attempts to turn it off. But this column argues that well, this is a column about it that that would not happen because you need to create another AI to be able to do that, and then humans who create AIs would be able to acquire the power and becoming a greater existential threat. That fell apart at the end, but- Yeah, 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 but that's the, the premise there is that we create something that we can no longer change, which is a, you know, right. an idea with blockchain and, and I'm there's terrified, flaws actually. in it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I actually think we're quite close to that. Sorry to, to jump in. No, 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 I, yeah. 
yeah, the paperclip problem or the like um, the the computing pie problem, like a bunch of AIs that that destroy all the the Earth's resources and wipe out humans while trying to just solve for pie in all these different ways. Yeah, That's right. another one I've heard. Yeah. Um, through what's that author's name who wrote um, Homadeus and and all of those other books that are great. Twenty one lessons for the twenty first century. No, that guy. You keep talking enough on that one. Sure. But I guess when it comes to like everything that could go, could go wrong, I'm in a place now where I'm very terrified of, of how much we're wielding our very limited knowledge about, how, about the technology and about how people want to use it. And also this idea that I think comes back to ideology, which is when you start talking about trustless environments or even zero trust, which is a very common, you know, it's getting invoked more and more as a buzz term in um, cybersecurity, but it means, you know, never trust, always verify. Um, when you start eroding the like fabric of society notions that we as humans might have means of trusting one another for the purposes of survival and a technology is perpetuating um, this idea that is not true, that you can enforce in a trustless situation the rules and everybody who's meant to win will win. I think you end up with like a very insidious problem where we think we're solving for human mm -hmm. stupidity but what and messiness, but what we're really doing is creating um, really hard to call out inequity or, or really dangerous mm -hmm. inequity or exploit exploitation of resources and, and, and misunderstanding maybe of where all of it will lead. And yeah, it's quite large and nebulous and existential, but it certainly comes to mind when I listen to all of these different amazing perspectives on where we could take the technology. And then I try to fill in the gaps of like, but how do we get there? And what does that really look like? And how does that really solve a problem? And how are we solving that problem today? Those questions generally start to like pull at the threads of something that sounds like a good idea. And that's kind of leaving me very uncomfy in my like spiritual state of mm -hmm. trying, to, trying to work and live. So yeah. I think I'll... I think I want to call this episode philosophy of the blockchain. Philosophy of the blockchain. Oh no, I hope I don't let anyone down. If my thoughts don't make sense, I completely understand. No, 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 no they do. They, they do. Um, I'm just trying to keep up with you. Um, yeah, I often am a, I think someone called me an orthogonal thinker the other day and I was like, that, that seems to fit. I feel like I, yeah, go in, in a lot of directions, but, um, Tell me to slow down if needed. No, 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 don't slow down. Um, but just bear with me, like coming back to good anchor points that I want to yeah. dig further into. Um, I also distracted myself by Googling 21 Lessons, which is by Yuval Noah yeah. Harari? Harari. 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 Yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah. One of the most innovative thinkers on the planet. Um, turns to the present to make sense of today's most pressing issues. How do computers and robots change the meaning of being human? Mm. How do we deal with the epidemic of fake news and nations mm. and religions still relevant? Hey, that sounds like a really interesting one. And what was the other one that you referred to of? Oh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was in Homodeus or a different one. It wasn't in 21 lessons, but he mentioned this idea that we could lose control of, um, like computers could basically ruin the entire earth by, just trying to calculate for pi without any negative intent. Like I think the idea was that we would we would displace or project intent onto machines that are just trying to do a good job at the thing we program them to do without realizing that, you know, without yeah. the awareness of anything else. Yeah. Um, which 
brings to mind to me, um, and so I'm going to refer to, who's the fellow who wrote Be Here Now? Um, <laughs> um, but even like any kind of mindfulness or Buddhism or something like this, but oh, like kind Ram of just, Oh yeah, but that's not actually who I meant. I meant the power oh. of now. Um, oh, actually. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh? No, no, no. Um, power of now. Oh, Eckhart Tolle. That's <laughs> it. Thank you. Yeah. Oh man, you're good. Um, yeah. So, but just, and he's certainly not the only one, but it just came to mind of kind of like recognizing that our Western um, consumerist mindset, the insanity of that, right? There, there, mm. There's a compulsion that is um, utterly devoid of reason and, and real analysis and understanding. It's a, and like that's actually kind of what we're talking about. We're afraid that robots or AIs that we create are going to have this problem of unthinkingly just pursuing a goal. Um, As if we perhaps, don't do the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perhaps yeah. that's just our way of reflecting on, um, and we can see the, the error of it uh, and the damage of it, um, but we are still kind of stuck in that. Uh, yeah, it's a great, that is a perfect articulation, I think, of, of what I often like spend my entire day ruminating on sometimes, which is it's so easy to see how everything could go wrong if something over there was doing the exact same mm. thing without awareness of yeah. what, you know, is sort of happening for us. Prediction. And yeah, it's, it's, it's sad because I can't wake up every day and like feel like a nihilist and do the work that I do. But sometimes I just want to debate everybody about how nothing matters because we're headed towards a massive extinction event. And maybe that's a good thing because we're a bunch of parasites. And then sometimes I just want to think about, you know, the ways in which humans have overcome things together, the ways in which we cooperate. The fact that in Bhutan, which is a beautiful country that I uh, have been lucky enough to live in twice uh, over the past 10 years, yeah, they, they um, have already vaccinated almost 100% of their population. And like, yes, it's a small population, but it's a very hilly country and it's very difficult to do something like that. And so the fact that humans coming together to help one another in that way can happen in all of these different communities and all of these different ways, and we can translate that into a digital world I guess is like what keeps me going sometimes uh, because there is a lot of good stuff that, that the messiness of humans brings out, but there's also a lot of um, sleepwalking through a system that doesn't work for most people, but there's this sort of carrot that's like, if you just work hard enough, mm. you'll get what they get or, mm. you know, mm. whatever, whatever it may be. So. Is it true in Bhutan they have the national happiness index instead of the gross national product? Yes, indeed. Yeah, the nine, good one, the nine uh, indicators of, of happiness, which I forget what they are. Um, but yes, and, and it's taken very seriously. And there are a lot of, um, you know, the king and the prime minister work hand in hand a lot of the time to go and, um, you know, survey people in person. Uh, or there are a lot of traveling monks that work at the universities uh, throughout Bhutan that are highly educated and, and do a lot of work to make sure that everyone's on board and uh, even those frameworks for, for how happiness is being um, like perceived and measured can, can change. So I think that's pretty cool. That's fantastic, me too. It's, it's somewhere that I, I really want to go sometime. What, what was it that, that brought you there? Uh, my mom, who's an amazing traveling, um, I don't know, 
this uh, intercultural communicator slash coach. I forget what her actual title was. Like she's an English teacher, but she took this lens throughout her career of, of wanting to bridge the gap between cultural expectations. And so she did that both in Canada and then started to uh, travel around the world. One of her Canadian uh, gigs, she met a, a Bhutanese student who they became quite good friends after um, this woman started, like graduated the program. And then she invited my mom to come and stay and then was like, wow. why don't you come teach here for five years? My mom was like, okay. And then I decided to visit. And then I decided that I needed to come back again because it was just such an amazing place to feel like I knew what life was about at 23, mm. which I really miss sometimes because I don't think I've ever <laughs> known what life was about since. That's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, that's cool. I had no idea that you, that was part of your travels. Yeah. And, yeah. It feels far away sometimes, especially just the frenetic energy of, um, of like working in tech and often mm. feeling like you're run by a motor just trying to reach the next release or the next whatever it is mm. and, and not really actually thinking about it. Um, I feel quite automated a lot of the time. So mm. yeah, sometimes it takes a good conversation to call back to times when I was just sitting there being like, oh, there's nothing to do. So I guess I'll take a walk or like talk to someone for three hours over some tea or I don't know, reflect yeah. on my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, um, I, I was actually just listening to a podcast um, this morning and they were talking about existentialism. And um, I guess, the, the, well, the, the, the thing that it brings to mind now in talking about like us being on autopilot and just charging through life, sleepwalking was a good way you put it. Um, kind of like what, what's, what's behind that? What, what actually are we doing here? What is the, um, and they were kind of talking about, um, uh, sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm wanting to quote the person and then, then my mind's on that and then it can't hold on to the other thing. I'm, I'm, it's a little bit too early for me to hold on to multiple thoughts. So I'll leave that, but the, the bit I wanted to communicate was simply um, like, uh, and I guess this is a Buddhist and Hindu kind of philosophy of um, that notion that there is the one, the, the Godhead that splits itself into um, the multiplicity to experience itself as, as us. Comfortable and familiar with kind mm. of that as a, a premise. And then, yeah. but, but kind of behind that then is this, just thinking, being philosophizing on that, you sort of go, well, there's a great emptiness and loneliness and meaninglessness to being the, you know, to the single entity that is God as yeah. us humans reflecting on that. But I'm interested to know, do you, do you have a, um, any kind of uh, spiritual or religious or philosophical kind of guiding Go thing in your life? Is that something that. Um, that's a really good question. And I, like, I, I would say that I think I'm on a journey right now where um, I've always been sort of a sampler of different, you know, whatever fits at a certain time. And my mom, again, who's quite a wise and spiritual person, has often said, you know, I'm going to tell you something or I'm going to speak to my own experience and take what fits. And so I've kind of approached a lot. Um, you know, I've lived in India, I've lived in uh, Bhutan at various points. And then I've also, you know, lived in Australia, lived in Canada and um, traveled quite widely and, and found a lot that fit in 
in all of these different wisdoms, but also found a lot that just was like overlapping anyway, like ancient Toltec wisdom turns out very similar to uh, Ayurvedic wisdom. And, and that's quite similar to, um, you know, some of the, the early tenets of like Zoroastrianism. Like there's a lot of, although that's a, that's a monotheist, I think the first monotheist religion. Anyway, very Where is that from? What's, where? where? Uh, from Iran, from the Middle East. Okay, um, cool, yeah. Yeah, it's a very small, uh, minuscule I think population of, of people now but the they the magi were Zoroastrians um, and there's like this intersection with um, Christianity that's really interesting and so looking at because I think about how things kind of connect and then also I like to see complementarity and then overlap I've realized that there are a lot of things that a lot of artists and spiritual you know shamans leaders um, and scientists have all agreed upon, but they've just been telling maybe a slightly different story about it. And yeah, and I guess like I'm interested in, I used to be interested in finding the story that fit me the best. And now yeah. I kind of just want to stop telling myself stories and, and just like experience, you know, whatever comes up. Um, and I guess fit, but more so in a, an experiential way rather than a like, let me unpack whether or not I agree with this philosophically and ideologically and spiritually, you know? Does that make sense? It does. Um, and it sounds like you are saying you've identified a, a commonality across. And, and is that something that you can articulate what the, the thread is there? Yeah, I think, well, no, but I could try. Um, that's a really, thank you for summing that up. Um, that's a really good question too. The threads that I think are very similar are just like the basic principles of, of you know, we're all made up of the same stuff you know and we're all um we're all kind of living in our uh our own world where we are looking at mirrors of ourselves and we're kind of projecting and storytelling to one another it's kind of a common theme but then there's this idea of being able to change the environment around you i mean quantum physicists believe this and so do you know people who believe in karma and most religions that what you put out you you know you get out what you put in um and and that you can change sort of the the course of um, your own reality just through the way that you interact with the world and, and the life force that you interact with, how you choose to do that. So there's like that piece. And then there's just the tenets of like, be kind, compassionate. Um, one thing I really love about uh, Buddhism in Bhutan, um, which I forget the, the name for it, but there's, it's, there's two different types of Buddhism. I'm going to sound very ignorant. Um, the, one is like more practiced in Thailand. Do you know the different types? I might Google it so I don't sound as... I don't know. In Thailand though, it's very, um, do you call it animism? It's like very tied to like ancestor worship as opposed to... Yes, that's uh, right. And and in Bhutan, it's called... Uh, hey, you've just gone uh, quiet. Oh, can you hear me? I can't hear you anymore. No. Hmm. Um, Hello. Now I can. Oh, okay, that was weird. Better? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, right. Yes, in Bhutan, it's called Vajrayana, I believe. Okay. Um, and it's, there's um, a lot of concepts that I really like that are a lot more related to, um, to kind of, my dad would call them karma points when he was visiting Bhutan, like this idea that you're sort of stacking up. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Um, but that wasn't what I liked about it. What I really appreciated was that when a relative or someone you loved died, um, there would be this massive community effort to help that person ascend to their, you know, resting place, their final resting place, wherever that may be. 
um, through doing good deeds for others in the community. So grief was expressed in this very communal, um, generative way that I really appreciated because I had had someone pass away um, that I really loved around the same time um, in Canada, uh, just before I came to Bhutan. And I found that process of grieving so lonely because everyone had their own way of doing it and we didn't know how to talk to each other about it. And when you think about like an entire community coming together to help, you know, like they, they, they're seeing that they're helping their um, loved one um, sort of reach happiness or their final peace wow. through it's, giving. It's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I really that. Yeah, that's really cool. So that like I'm, I've heard of like uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and I think there's like a certain number of days that the soul after death kind of hangs around and is figuring out. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess facing its own demons and and whatnot, like its life review, and then, but in this like scary kind of dark world where I, I guess that's kind of you, you're confronted with whatever you've done with your life and whatnot, and then and then also needing to find the next incarnation yeah right yeah yeah and yeah. So, yeah and what you're talking about then the whole community is kind of there like they know this this soul is still kind of hanging around so they're just making like it as wonderful as possible in this mm. realm which is going to ripple through to I, I guess all the realms are kind of stacked together there so yeah and they're going to sort of co like collectively stack their karma points and give them you know transfer them to this person if you're That's talking awesome. about it in a very yeah, 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 yeah. In a very capitalist way. But um, the other thing, too, that I really appreciated, and yeah, Tibet, there's a lot of Tibetans um, who live in Bhutan who obviously fled from Tibet, but beyond that, um, yeah, there's ancient Tibetan culture um, just embedded in Bhutan as, as a start. And another thing that I loved that is just like deeply different from Western culture is that when it's your birthday, you go around giving other people gifts. Um, whether it's candies or whatever. And I've always just loved to do that anyway. So I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Cool. Hey, it, it is really expensive too, the visa, right? To go there? It is. Like yeah. The so it, it's very controlled as well. Like I think Bhutan's done a great job of understanding um, like what they've looked at what's happened to India, um, mm. which is that, you know, a lot of people have had a lot of power to just come and do whatever they want. And, um, you know, that's both good and bad. And for Bhutan, they were very interested in preserving culture in, uh, in the way that they want to preserve it. So there's a two-week visa that you can apply for. Um, and I think, you know, you have to have a guide and it's very controlled experience or you go wherever the, the itinerary takes you. Or you can apply as a volunteer, which is quite difficult, but that's what I was doing. Or you can be employed by the government, which is what my mom had done working at a university as a professor. Um, and then you have a lot more free range. And so it's quite a privilege to be able to take the bus or like, you know, go where you'd like to um, without a permit in, in Bhutan. And so I would highly recommend just getting a job there if you can. And cool. um, yeah, and then you can sort of actually really dig into a lot of, I don't know, just a really interesting place. Although they are in an existential um, crisis in like a geopolitical sense as well, if you think about how they're situated in the world. And so there's an interesting, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be interested to see how, how, how they go sitting between China and India. Right, okay, okay. Um, is it, it's, it's wonderful to hear about it. You're the first person that I've spoken to that has actually been there. Um, and oh. it, it, yeah, I'm, I'm just, 
it, it's kind of sat there and you're saying that I'm going, oh, geez, actually, I'd love to go and volunteer. Oh. Yeah. Um, is it is it insular at all or like um, as in... Um, How open is it? I mean, I mean, how controlled is, say, the internet, for example, as a metric of? Ah, that's an interesting question because I would say it's insular in a cultural sense to preserve the culture, right? But the internet is, um, oh man, like they they should probably use some control. Um, the IT, I mean, when I was there, and this was probably four years, four and a half or five years ago. Um, last time I was there, the IT team at the university was, was setting up like an LMS, a, like a learning management system, and they were getting viruses all the time. And it was kind of just this known thing that if you stick a USB into anyone's computer, you're probably going to get some kind of virus. And there's a lot of like, I think just the scam culture um, is rippling through at this time. Like it's sort of early stages of the internet happening, um, but not a lot of surveillance as far as I know, at least not from the Bhutanese government happening on people's devices. There's a lot of people using Facebook and everyone kind of has a phone. So I think there's more of like maybe an international uh, like means of looking into the country now, but like in terms of surveillance from the government or um, any sort of internal corporate group, like that's certainly not something that I- And there's no, no blocking like in China or even Australia now that- uh... Ah, yeah. I don't know if they're, I'm, I wonder how affected they are by the, the firewall like they're... but no as far as i know okay. people are just kind of running wild and there wechat is kind of the um the oh yeah choice so i mean i'm sure china's watching but yeah, yeah. sure yeah yeah um cool hey um i kind of i think now might be a good time to ask you a little bit about what you do for work um and just kind of i don't know that it felt like a natural segue when I was thinking it, but now it's a jump from there. But anyway, yeah, no, tell us, tell us what you do. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, good questions. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> um, well, um, well, tell me what your passion is in blockchain and, and how, how about let's, that's let's the hard that. question. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the right question and the hard question. And yeah, I, and, yeah. And your journey maybe too. Do you, can you, do you want to tell me your, your blockchain journey? Sure. Cool. Oh man, it's been a journey. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, so I started as someone who was really interested in uh, neuroscience and was doing some computational uh, stuff. And as a result, kind of had this, this like tech affinity without realizing it, but thought I wanted to be either a neuroscience researcher or a clinical neuropsychologist or whatever uh, when I was living in Canada. But when I moved here, I could only get a job at a tech startup that was quite um, small and was like, oh, we'll take you because you can do all the things and nobody else wants this job. And then that, that tech startup ended up actually doing quite well. And it was um, an e-learning uh, platform that we were developing. And I was kind of just growing into this space as like a service designer, product person. Like I was always trying to find words to articulate what I was doing, relationship manager. But then we ended up um, becoming more of a software development house. And as a result, had these projects come across the table where I got to play a lot of different roles, um, gathering requirements and, and understanding how to put the pieces of the, you know, the modular pieces of our software together. Um, and we had this use case come through from a Gemstone working group that was interested in traceability um, for supply chain due diligence and just also um, ethics. And that's 
when blockchain sort of first got introduced to the the table from one of our our engineers who was living in Bali and had heard had done a lot of Bitcoin research and stuff and he was like I think we could apply blockchain to this use case I think this was like 2015 or 16 so mm -hmm. probably other people were doing it too um, but it felt so new and like amazing and then as I kind of went through the process of what does this actually look like and what does it mean for the user or the customer which is this gemstone working group and do they actually want what we can give them with this technology. Um, I sort of had a transformational, very quick um, descent into madness where I realized that it probably wasn't the right use case, but the technology was really cool. And then, you know, I sort of got involved in the Melbourne community and met lots of amazing people like Rosa, who we both know, who worked at Consensus as well. And um, yeah, a lot of people were talking about the open internet or um, the this idea of, of, you know, being able to to trade or, interact transact without without middle men or whatever they call them intermediaries and yeah it just seems like the world was our oyster so um from there when i started working at consensus though i went into to sort of the enterprise uh side of things and was working with the the protocol engineers on consensus mechanism um sort of updates and enhancements to a proof of authority consensus mechanism called ibft 2.0 um, and that, and it's just really like a, a round robin validator pool of like, you know, it saves energy, but it, it kind of negates the entire purpose of having um, a network of computers transacting because there's trust involved. Um, and that's why it's an enterprise network. Is, um, uh, so like the, the consensus protocols on blockchain are a whole giant subspace. They are. And, and not one, yeah, but is, um, IBFT, which is, uh, what's that stand for? It's got a, um, it's Istanbul Byzantine Fault Tolerant. Cool, which is some philosophical kind of, hey, how can... Yeah, Byzant yeah Byzantine Fault Tolerant means like, how can you stop um, basically like a, the same actor from, from uh, taking over and like double spending something. Right, and is it like, does it come down to um, you need like two thirds playing by the rules with that as opposed to say proof of work, which is what Bitcoin uses yeah. where you've got the 50%, as long as more than half are playing by the rules, the system works. IBFT, much faster. Um, is that kind of the main thing? Much cheaper, I suppose you could say. Um, yeah. But, and, uh, but yeah, yeah you, now exactly you need 66.6% right. of the people playing by the rules. 100%. And you also have to, you have trusted validator nodes that, so you have to, I mean, there's just a certain level of trust that people afford each other anyway, right? In real life, that you then translate into this, into this world. So yeah, but you've, you've described it perfectly. Like it was sort of, um, I think IBFT in its original form, the IBFT uh, consensus protocol was being, I think first invoked by Quorum, which is now part of, Correct me if I'm wrong, but is Consensus and Quorum, are they not? I saw a news story that Consensus has purchased Quorum from... From JP Morgan. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that was a while ago, like a year ago or something. Yeah. So, I mean, even that, like I remember um, working at Consensus, there was a big spread of people with different ideas and it was really, really cool. But then there was also like, I work on the, the side that people don't like because it's enterprise. You know, we're trying to build a, a, an Ethereum client that serves the needs of the market as it currently is in these sort of corporate uh, formations and 
yeah, we're not, and then, you know, maybe there's like a little bit of a, of a bridge leading to something more collaborative and at least banks can then communicate and transact with each other in a more open way, or at least like, you know, the ASX, which ends up, I think they're using DAML um, for their platform. But yeah, people can start to, I guess, in, a, in like their corporate identities, start working better together. And then maybe that'll all transcend the way that we all start yeah. interacting. But it, it was like a bit of a stretch <coughs> for me, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. No, look, um, uh, I mean, that, that we could go into all kinds of places. Like with that, um, I, I loved when I started with Consensus, the... Um, what was the term that you just self-organizing yeah. on hierarchical? Like I loved that. It was Holocracy. A, yeah, 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 yeah. But it just, um, oh, it also as it grew, I, I think it left it vulnerable to, and you experienced this, and like just real nasty office politics. Like there, there wasn't because it was like, you know do do whatever just go for it there, there was not the infrastructure that's kind of been developed throughout the corporate world to protect against all kinds of um abuses of power really so um yeah i was i was going to ask you too like um it was curious to me why um pegasus which was uh, the department that you worked in was which was tasked with building um mm, building protocol layer. Uh, well and yeah but really like, building a client for enterprise um, yeah. which, which was kind of the competitor to jp morgan's quorum for the longest time yeah. uh, but um i i wonder i was aware of what a focus there was on um consensus protocols and i and i wondered why but sort of talking with you now i i guess the main thing is the slow speed of blockchain is is a huge barrier to um yeah, to enterprise and all kinds of things so and, and the cost of, that? yeah sure absolutely. yeah 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 and then just the fact that like um, like we have rules for a reason and back to what you're saying about um about how office politics and just like a rapid scaling of a company that's like self-organized and it all sounds good in theory um but how that can turn into toxicity where you know there are inequities that become then almost impossible to call out and they're insidious because um, you know you you keep getting shouted down by this message that everything is self-organizing it's on you personal responsibility and so you know in there's a reason why corporates and and you know governments and legal systems exist um, and why they implement some sort of like they're not perfect but you know those blunt instruments that become policies and procedures and expectations um, they, they do help humans you know <laughs> figure out how to in, how to interact in like um in ways that, that then we can at least identify the problems a little bit easier so when you take consensus mechanisms or, or algorithms and stick them into like a context um that becomes a use case for say interbank transfers or something like those banks are already talking and they already trust each other and they already have delineated yeah. roles so like let's just like work with that <clears throat> yeah that's yeah. where that's where they're at you know? yeah so yeah but a lot of people that I talked to were not a fan of the the idea that you know a proof of of authority mechanism um, or protocol should exist at all, and I I get it, but I also this is like blockchain purists who are saying you yeah you're sacrificing the zero trust principle totally. But then yeah. if I think about um, I guess yeah if you if do you want to do you want to be over here um, creating a new society which is totally fine or do you want to be 
So you want to be working with what is and making it better. And then, like, I struggle with this question myself, but we use a, a proof of authority mechanism. I mean, we use IBFT2 um, in my current work for uh, just round robin sign off of like high risk activities that somebody might be um, doing within a system or a network where stakeholders that would know whether or not a user is allowed to be downloading all the data or sending a missile from a satellite to somewhere um, can have the opportunity to say like, hmm, that's weird. This person normally wouldn't do that. This person normally doesn't work at those hours, blah, blah, blah. Stuff that could be automated, um, but we've created sort of like a, a multi-party authorization signature and like four eyes check or more um, mm -hmm. because humans do understand the nuances of context and within the rules that we've created, we, um, we know how to play by them, bend them, break them. And that's not something we've actually told technology how to do yet. So human in the loop stuff is kind of the way that I'm solving for the, the gaps that I see right now. Mm -hmm. um, and there's like, you know, proof of work doesn't really work in that context for my purposes today, but I, I'm interested in using all of the, all of the different ones. So if I understand what you're saying there, um, and, and you're talking about your current role as well, right? Your, your current project. Yes, although we've now merged yeah. with another company, so it's quite confusing. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. But I, I do want to, I do want to get into yeah, sure. exactly what it is that you're building because it is a, a really interesting thing as well. Sure. Um, but just to restate what you just said to make sure I understand, um, and we're talking, you're talking kind of the context of consensus mechanisms, but you could, to, to generalize it a little bit. Um, there's one end of the spectrum in the blockchain world, which is the rules are the rules that cannot mm -hmm. be broken at all. And then there's kind of a, a, a fuzzier thing where you start to say, okay, there's going much back. I mean, and I mean, this is what the purest blockchain, you know, this is what was so exciting about it is you don't have the notion of gatekeepers and trusted people who control what is, but that's, that's where you start to slide towards. And that just works totally. much easier um, be, because what you're doing there is on some level you're saying, all right, and what you're specifically saying, humans can make decisions about things and, and that's okay. Yes, and there's actually some interesting work that is coming out of RMIT. Kelsey Nabin, who's an amazing researcher, um, who looks at like private, like how humans interact with socio-technical systems and, and like what it means to move society onto the digital plane or into the digital infrastructure. Like she makes this interesting point that humans are always treated like we are the we are the risk factor, like the biggest risk factor, mm. and we are the we are the threat. And it's like, okay, fine, but also like, we have these amazing skills of like pattern matching. Our brains are limited, well, sure, but but very complex and um, highly functioning, and collectively combined, even more powerful al reinforcing algorithms that that understand um, how to pick up on patterns that are not quite right, or how to like pick out something that you know feels wrong. Your intuition. Um, in a workplace setting can be quite helpful. Like understanding that somebody is someone you don't want to be alone in a room with, or somebody is doing something slightly off and being able to check that with your social, you know, body that you're part of. And then the social credentials and um, mm. currency that kind of can come mm. out in a positive way um, to help you understand who should be doing what in scenarios that are incredibly high stakes, like critical mm. infrastructure protection, for example, like those sorts of relationships are very difficult to replicate. And if we treat humans like they're too dumb to be part of it, then mm. we 
we actually create technology that's too dumb to understand the nuance of what we're doing in the first place yeah. and why we do what we do. So I think there's a gap there and it's so difficult to articulate. I think you did a great job mm. of like making sense of what I'm saying. And then I think Kelsey Navin does an amazing job of writing out, you know, stuff that I've thought for a while and why I'm building the technology that I'm trying to, to um, create with my team on top of a distributed storage um, file storage system as well, which is a, a new piece. But it's really difficult because there's so much there and it's so interconnected with like, there's concrete stuff and then there's like philosophical stuff and then there's just really difficult to explain um, human intuition stuff that all comes together. Do you think that like the bar, like, cause it, you know, in 2015, there was just this incredible promise of a new world oh, and yes. from Ethereum. And do you think actually the challenge is in no way technical, but it is philosophical and it is kind of understanding what the potential of this technology that means we can have stuff that is owned by no one and owned by the world. Are we just like so unfamiliar with what common, uh, yeah. what things held in the commons means that, that we're just struggling with that as an idea and that's why we're not building the systems? Yeah, I think that's perfectly put. I think we're, we're, we're pushing back because we're so uncomfortable with it and don't know how to, it's hard to change, right? Yeah. I think that's perfectly put. Um, we don't know what that's like. And also there is, you know, a certain survival uh, edge that you get when you have resources. And I've heard a lot of people, especially today in today's space, talk about like, oh, we figured out how to create scarcity, but in a digital landscape. Yeah. It's like, well, that scarcity is an issue though. Like, what? I, I wasn't aware that we were talking about scarcity. <laughs> Then, then we're just solving the same problems we've always been solving here, which yeah. is like my stuff, your stuff, don't steal my stuff. I want to move yeah. my stuff. I want to yeah. keep my stuff safe. It's like none of, I don't want more digital stuff. Yeah. Like, I want to, uh, to share and like, and have, you know, accessible platforms through which like we can connect. Um, but also make rules that make sense in the context of whatever we're doing. And I guess maybe like this idea of if, I think we used to say this at consensus a lot. I'm not sure if your team did, but I thought it was very um, wise. Like a lot of people would point out that when nobody's in charge, everybody just kind of sits back. Like nobody wants to take accountability when there's no leader. Yeah. So like inevitably some leader will step up and then there'll be some person driving the story and then that becomes, you know, whatever you're building or doing. And that's a, a, a major uh, issue for, for when you're talking about a blockchain <laughs> because the whole point of it is to be doing exactly the opposite, but how do you have a comment? The, uh, totally, totally. And I, I, I hope I can kind of articulate a, a few things that like come to mind in relation to this, but I was really excited. Um, I mean, before consensus, but then in that context with blockchain as a tool that would allow um, like distributed governance, right? Yeah. And yeah, like that was something, that is something that I'm really passionate about. Um, but I've been involved in a lot of things, consensus being one of them, um, also cooperatives here in my local community. And just, um, I've really learned a lot of things. And I, that book, um, which I think was uh, a big guide for how Joe Lubin chose to do things. Um, I don't know That's if cool. you've um, re no, Reinventing Organisations. Ah, yes. yes. And, and Teal. As, and I'm not going to attempt 
to describe that now, but I totally highly recommend it. I think it is the the Bible for anyone who's interested in effective governance. Um, now, I will super briefly. Teal is the thing that is aimed for, and, and the notion there is you, you you're not getting everybody involved. It describes um, like a lot of community organisations. Uh, so it assigns a colour to different forms of. Um, uh, governance. Um, red is kind of warlordish. Someone's in charge, and and everyone does what they say. Say green is um, kind of everyone's involved in every decision, and 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 that's not an effective kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and and teal is the thing that's kind of aimed for where you involve stakeholders that are affected and 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 experts. And and I don't think it's the ultimate, but I think it's better than anything we see, and 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 the place to start aiming for. Yeah, especially um, with blockchain technology. I mean, that's yeah, perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like that was a, I, I, I think, I think that was a, an initial principle with um, consensus. But I don't, mm. no, I don't think everyone knew that. Um, so it kind of yeah, as, as things scale, like I think that the, yeah. you know, it's a great premise. But then in person, I mean, there were a lot of things that I actually took from consensus around remote work and around. Um, you know, looking for burnout and around small communities that you can form um, in really healthy ways that I will take throughout the rest of my career. Mm. Like, I think that it was this amazing and still is an amazing experiment and, you know, is applying principles instead of just theoretically thinking about them. But that teal idea um, and even just this idea that, um, yeah, when everyone gets involved, like I'm thinking about uh, Occupy Wall Street and how conflated the messages started to get and how disempowered people started to become um, when, when there were so many voices adding yeah. and they wanted to be inclusive that there was almost no decision making that could, could really totally. the and lateral violence that was happening across the, you know, across the different groups. Yeah, and there, there's something too, like a, a learning that I've had that I, I don't know what to do with, but my response has to be uh, I, I kind of really stepped back from the, the shared ownership thing, but it's an opinion is so cheap, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, if you give everybody a vote and everyone a voice, there's all kinds of shit that goes in there that, that's in no way helpful to a thing. So like there, there's something about where there's a principle that everyone or, or a guideline or a philosophy, you know, religious sex work well, because it's like, all right, here's what we're all about. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's not a lot of individualism in that either, and you lose the power of powerful individuals. But it, I, I don't know, it's such a tricky thing to, I'm, I'm living at the moment um, at an eco village that's here in town, and I'm, I'm really enjoying being there. When I first came here just over a decade ago, I was very into, community land trusts um, and I still am I think they're wonderful but like uh, I've been involved in a lot of community organizations there's a lot of cooperatives in this town and I've gotten really jaded on that and like so just over a decade ago I was really keen on the idea of getting a big group of people together buying a you know many acres and and living there and kind of Oh no, I think about that all the time. Yeah 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 okay. yeah well no no but then okay, I, tell me I just like so many people say they want that right but um it, like if you're offering a whole lot there it like it you, you just i think responsibility is the missing 
No, I don't know. It's much more. No, no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's critical awesome. element, right? It's, yeah. yeah. And, and like, I, so I, I kind of, I, I, anyway, I reached a point where I went, no, I want to own it. I, like, God, people are just awful. People are like, I just, <laughs> I, 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 I was involved, uh, I saw the collapse of a, um, a cooperative that had been here. This, just a little background of Mulaney, there was, um, it, it has like the most co-ops, I think, possibly of anywhere in the world. Wow. But there was, there was this woman, Jill Jordan, and, and actually this is interesting. This ties completely in. Mm-hmm. She was, I think, the reason that there are so many cooperatives here. And, and the stuff she established was absolutely 100% um, about that communal kind of thing. So there's a, for example, there's a community here, uh, like a, a little mini thing, and it has... Uh, you know, in, in its constitution or whatever you would call family document for a community, um, things like when you sell, like, first of all, before you move in, you need to live there for a year. Mm. Um, but when you sell, you can only sell for what you bought it for, plus the bricks and mortar. You can't even, like, add on any labour hire or anything like that. So it's like, it's a really simple mechanism to re- remove that speculative housing market thing yeah which i mean is incredibly relevant right now yeah i, I mean that the house next door to mine just sold for so much money that it made it made me very depressed yeah so, i mean i don't own this house i was like i don't think i'll ever own <laughs> well we've got we've got a housing crisis happening here too where that those market conditions are just like everyone's selling mm-hmm. renters are needing to move out and mm-hmm. you've got like a bunch of people homeless in this town just because of the effects of the speculative, you know, wow. housing market. Yeah. yeah. Like that's happening right now, this year. Like that's in the last three months that's happened. Wow. Um, that's yeah. And, and so anyway, like you can protect against those kind of things pretty easily. So that doesn't happen in that one little community there, right? Because of, and, and she set up a lot of things. So there was a community bank, which has just recently been acquired by another one they sort of you know a few years ago I realized they could not keep up with the legislation that's coming in and it's just right I can imagine pandemic. even just like yeah the privacy laws and like and things are changing oh, wait, yeah. so was it acquired by another community bank or acquired by a bank bank uh yeah no it's uh it's now um a uh, Queensland bank not bank of Queensland and um I, do you know what? I'm not up on it. There was a deal that was going to go through that fell through. And yeah. it's really, I mean, it's interesting to, um, what's the term? NIMBYs, the not in my backyard yes. people, right? And there's, yeah. And I mean, I love people that fight for a cause. I think we need that. I think things get trampled. I also see a lot of people jumping on a course so they can fight. And um, uh, yeah, so yeah, this, this has been my rant about, I just like, I don't, I don't know, people are difficult too. And there's something, <laughs> there's something that just works really well about letting passionate people charge forward and drive things um, and they're always going to step on toes, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I don't know. Like, there's something about p- 
people being empowered without having done any self-work or really knowing what they want or anything like that and just going, let's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you say that, I mean, you know, if I heard someone, I mean, I think I've said it in a fairly delicate way, but essentially um, I'm, you know, a, a fan of having leaders with ultimate power <laughs> to judge and everyone else just has to, um, yeah. I, hopefully I haven't come across exactly like that, but, but no, my not at all. has changed from a place of, yeah, let's everyone get in together. Let's do it. And, and I'll, we'll let's, just work it out along the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That, like, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, even in a smaller, like, setting or, or in a smaller context, like I had um, some really wonderful, they're still my friends, thank goodness, but some, like, felt like family members, uh, the co-founders of my first startup and there were there were six of us which is a lot we're from all around the world and we met at this global innovation lab we had this amazing momentous run where we we won gold for our idea uh, which we turned into a POC for um, an AI innovation predictor that would help supply chain uh, actors collaborate and, and exchange oh waste and it was great and then we just thought like well we're, we're working great together like yeah sometimes you know we are a bit contentious in our in our debates but that pressure makes diamonds let's just keep doing it this way let's not define roles let's not you know do anything except for charge forward with our idea and it was very quickly um something that unraveled us like you know one person ended up having to leave because they just couldn't feel like they didn't feel heard they didn't feel aligned mm -hmm. and then everyone else started they were then looking for a leader and um yeah, it was hard. It was hard to let go of because these are people that, you know, have all this potential. We built something together. We wanted it to work so badly. And even we were getting caught up in our egos. We're getting caught up in our like uh, boundaries that we didn't even know we had that we didn't mm. want to cross. And yeah, you just have to kind of jump in sometimes to realize that there's a reason why you create frameworks and, and why everyone has to respect those frameworks for, for you to work together effectively. And so I'm, I'm curious about like when you went and started this co-op lifestyle, did you, like, what expectation was the most violated by that um, experience? Was it that you thought things would kind of work them, themselves out or, or what was it? So I knew, so, you know, I mentioned this community. I mentioned um, there was a, a, a community bank. There's also yeah. a co-op that's still running in the middle of town, but there's also then, um, there was a, a venue, a cafe called the Upfront Club um, that, right in the center of town and it was owned and run by a co-op so you were a member of that it was literally you know your thing and it was just such a wonderful thing and we were kind of aware that it was losing money um but uh, look without going into all of it you you kind of ended up with two warring factions on the board mm. and it was just so so messy so just just the worst of human nature mm. um and i i've probably been here a couple of years and i was very um idealistic around this town and cooperatives and people getting together and doing things and that that changed that for me completely and i just and you know i, I mean there's there's interesting there's there's many dimensions to that too and a, a big one i think is social media yeah it was like the ability to just and and whatever that factor is that that draws the worst out of people um, what is that yeah, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. that's a whole other conversation yeah 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 yeah, I yeah. Mean, this is why i love what you're doing though like listening to your other episodes and thinking about um the fact that you're drawing out of people these conversations that go wherever they go and i'm i'm listening to a lot of aligned values when i'm listening to you talk when i'm listening to you talk to your guests um the people that you that you host on the the podcast for a conversation and it's just like i want so many more of these conversations and maybe they take place first at an individual level and we start to rebuild our mm. information ecosystem and our values ecosystem from the ground up because you know it just takes like being in a, a quieter room to hear all of the things that we have in common yeah. and then but then us you know that's one side of things and then i could go on my nihilist rant but what i love about what you're doing is that the connectivity is is through people that you um you're creating space for like a generative conversation that can go anywhere. And then mm. in that world, like I feel very free to say what I want to say. And I think that, you know, I then take that into the world and there's a bit of a network effect. And I think that's a really cool and powerful thing that you're doing. Wow. Thank you so much. That's, um, that's <laughs> wonderful. That's because uh, I'm, I'm just kind of doing it for myself because it feels fun and I, I want to go, but the idea that it has value is wonderful. Um, of course, I hope for that. Um, and I like. I think a big inspiration for me doing this is uh, Joe Rogan and his podcast. Typically, his interviews go for like three hours, and that's part of the idea. Is yeah, there's just space to do that. And you know, he's had like uh, Bernie Sanders on there. They spoke for an hour, and uh, yeah, there's just room to explore stuff a lot more deeply. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Didn't Elon Musk get like faked on there and then like, yeah. just like was staring at yeah. the clock? Like I just, yeah. the freedom to just do yeah. you know, everything from that to having this amazing neuroscientist that I love, Matthew Walker, talking about sleep and the importance of sleep and reminding me that I need to sleep, um, you know, it, can happen. <laughs> on, are on. you referencing a Joe Rogan episode with that Matthew Walker? Yes. Have you, have you heard that one? No, no, I want to check oh, it good. out though. But, Highly um, recommend. You'll, yeah, cool. They're all on Spotify now, though. I need to see if I can find that on YouTube or something. Oh, yes. I do Spotify. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, the Unfinished Cubby podcast will always be available on your favorite uh, podcast channels. Yes. Yay. Yeah, I like the YouTube one the best so far. Um, cool. Well, that was fun. There, there, there's, <laughs> can I, I just pop out a couple of things? Yeah, please, that are, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one is when I was going, what's that miss missing piece of like, just not letting everyone have a voice and uh, an answer that jumped in my head is like, you know, traditional societies, indigenous cultures, you've got your initiations. And so mm, you're right to like, yeah, exactly, exactly that. And it's sort of like, okay, you're ready for this knowledge and this new understanding and you go there. I, um, I just finished a common ground course, which is, um, kind of i think the most formalized um i don't think i'll take this in the middle of the maybe i will um it. it's my dad and he's got the kids no worries i'll go on <laughs> so, mute okay um, hello All right, <laughs> thank you. I no just, 
It wasn't about the kids. I just thought I'd take it in case it was about the kids there with you. Always. Mm. I just uh, ate a big bite of toast, so yes. I was happy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rites so, of passage. Rites of passage. Men's work. Um, so when I first came to Mulaney, I, I, I kind of was introduced to that. But Common Ground is a, it's like a formal course that you do to give you those tools and, and those kinds of things. And I would say any kind of properly done men's work, um, and, and that's like the thing that exists as a, a formalization of that, um, as opposed to, you know, some... Wait, so, sorry, this is fascinating. Is, is it this? Is it... Um... I don't know okay. what you're looking at. Is it commonground.org.au? Yeah, I'd say so. Let me, I'm going to click on the commonground.org.au link that you, and it's, it's an acknowledgement of First Peoples. Um, wow, that's a, um, no, First Nations led ah. not-for-profit. No, it is not that. That's interesting. Um, oh, yeah, it looks like there's a couple. Is it the... Commonground men's work I'm going to type in. Yeah, because when you say men's work, I'm, like this is men's really well-being big. that's organization menswellbeing.org okay great yeah i need to take that down because honestly like one thing that's been coming up for me a lot is this realization that um there are all these tools that a lot of men many men grow up in especially australian society from what i see as an outsider kind of looking in that just aren't aren't given mm. uh or aren't you know emulated and so then as a result there are men that are in pain that are not aware mm. of how to properly yeah. You know, and then are then looking for tools that, you know, they perceive other people to have, for, you know, women in, in particular, I've often like in my worst moments, accused my friends who are male of, of using me as an emotional support animal. And then I, when I've dialed back the anger and the defensiveness, I've realized, no, I've, I've just talking to someone who is looking to have their needs met and doesn't have the, the tools and expects that maybe I have the tools. And that's something that, yeah, I'm so interested in, in helping be part of the solution for instead of complaining about well this is a big passion topic of mine so i'm gonna jump into that with you a little bit i'm just gonna grab myself a coat though it's just a little bit chilly really all the way up yeah to yeah really. yeah it is How, how's melbourne weather been are you in melbourne still it's pretty chill in three months um soon so yeah. i can but you're used to it you're used to it there yes oh yes yeah uh, yeah i'm used to minus 30 so i'm pretty i'm all right it looks nice there, though. Oh, it is. I work in this um, co-working space. This is where I'm talking to you from. Here it is. Treehouse. Yeah, and um, it's attached I to go a work at the tree house. plant nursery. It's, so, it's so lovely. It, um, I'm not sure when, but we're actually needing to move out of here. So we'll need to find a new venue at some point. Yeah. Um, so men's work and stuff. So first of all, I want to say I completely agree with you. And I, I think in Australia, it's particularly bad. There's just mm. kind of a macho culture where men you know, boys men. don't cry is a definitely a, you know, huge Have a concrete. Yeah. 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 And um, I had a girlfriend of mine years ago made this observation, which has always stuck with me, which is really good that, um, as a single man in this culture, you can't touch anyone. Mm. You can't, you can't hold, you know, you can't touch another man. You can, you know, maybe hug if you're drunk and it's or at the footy or something, but um, you know, you certainly so can't weird. touch women. You certainly can't touch children, right? L like mm -hmm. you're just, you're so, and uh, That's so that, sad. That, yeah. I didn't, yeah, that's, I mean, very well. 
like astute. I honestly have never thought about that until now. Yeah, yeah, I loved how she put that. It's really stuck with me. And um, uh, the the men's movement is relatively new. It, you know, I, I you know, I guess there's a, a couple of a few decades there, but it it's um, followed the women's movement. Mm. And and um, look, the thing is, there is so much there, and it's so wonderful. And and the reason that I I went to mention that, I guess. Uh, we're talking about, say, rites of passage, initiation, things like that. I know straight away, like, and there's not like some keywords or some code, but like, like, if I'm dealing with another man who's been through some, but you know, satting yeah. a few times and things like that, like, there's just like, but this is safe. I can talk about my feelings here. There's kind of, and uh, not to say that my general, oh geez, and I hate in our society. I, I, as a man, I feel like it's one of the most destructive ideas, the notion that men are dangerous as a, mm. it's probably controversial to say, but there, there's no. something, um, but yeah, and, and so I'm not trying to say that at all, but I just like, there is a, um, I mean, we're talking about men right now, we're talking about men's work, but it, it's mm. true um, of people, someone who's done self-work can be self-reflective, they're not just projecting everything out into the world and onto other people. Like there's just a, uh, safety is the word that's coming to me again. Yeah, totally. That was a much better word, but just like, uh, you know. Safety and, sounds and, about right. Yeah. And, yeah. and an ease, you know, and a, like, yeah. And we're not on autopilot. We're not actually machines here anymore. We're human beings that can connect and... Right, that are embodied and, yeah, yeah. I hear that. Yeah. So you're saying, like, as a man, when you, when you meet another man you can, who's done the, the work, so to speak, has done some work, has an awareness, is, like, putting down those tools of policing that are, like, you know, kind of the autopilot, um, you know, the, the ones where you're not allowed to say things, you're not allowed to touch whatever yeah, it is look, it's quite you you see it you feel it and it feels safe and you're aware almost immediately of who those people are when you encounter them is that sort of yeah i think so i That's think so, so. Cool. yeah 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 just um i don't know and it's not it's not so different from you know that feeling when you meet someone and you straight away connect and it's like you yeah. find each other and so it's 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 kind of like a you know just a a, a broader version of that it happens a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's almost like yeah. um, I started going, I had my first therapy session, which I'm openly- Oh, wow. Good on you. About. Therapy is awesome. Therapy's amazing. And you yeah. can always tell now, like, it's so obvious to me who's gone to therapy. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, 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 there you, you go. Know, like, yeah, 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 similar idea. But I'm, I love this idea of men's work. And like, I love that the conversations about men and, and the ways in which like toxic masculinity, blah, 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 like all of these words we've invoked that have real meaning that have been lost to rhetoric have started to come back down into conversations like this one where you know I hear you saying men's work and I'm not hearing like evil men's rights activists like taking away my rights I'm hearing like men building up uh, for themselves the knowledge and the rites of passage to, to pass through to feel empowered embodied and connected in the same way that everyone should mm, and that's mm. really exciting yeah, and it's it's the same thing, you know. Feminism is good for everyone, and and so is so is men's work. Like, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so men's work. Just so I can pass it along to some yeah. uh, friends. So the uh, you said menswork.com or men's wellness. Uh, it is. We'll include all the links at the end of this podcast. Um, but it is. Uh, yeah, menswellbeing.org. Men's 
and I, yeah, look, so I only, so I've been aware of men's work for nigh on a decade when my own personal journey brought me to that. But um, I only heard of Common Ground sort of less than a year ago, towards the end of last year. And um, then, yeah, the opportunity to do one of these courses came up and I wanted to, for multiple reasons, um, actually had my own men's group that I had started sort of beginning last year, uh, which was wonderful for everyone involved, but I also, I'd been in groups before and there was kind of this depth and this stuff that I wasn't quite reaching so I wanted I wanted to kind of learn these tools so that was my reason for doing it um but were you asking me what it is as well yeah well I mean I think I feel like I want to have an entire conversation with you yeah. about it in general because it, it ties into something that like what I said at the beginning of this podcast which is like really resonant for me right now which is I feel like this lack of um this lack of awareness for the need for, for men's work or these lack of lacking tools have created a lot of these toxic systems. And it's like, it's a systems problem and it's a people problem and whatever. But, um, you know, as someone who is in a very male dominated industry and feels very mm. disempowered sometimes, mm. there's so many sides of the conversation I want to explore. And I feel like this, you know, kind of gives me information that is incredibly important to share with, with the men that I love and like that I want to help, um, to find you know whatever the places that they're looking for because i i know a lot of men my age so i'm 30 now and and you know early 30s late 20s there are a lot of men searching for oh wow happy birthday you just turned 30. i did just the other oh, day oh cool yeah yeah thanks. nice yeah yeah and, and there's this huge deal made about how it's a rite of passage for women it's like well what are you going to do now like do you have a you know you don't have any children yet, Kaya. Ugh, yeah, and all the things, right? <laughs> then it's like my partner turned 30 last year, and he, it's like, uh, congrats. But, I mean, for him, he's like, I want a rite of passage. Like, he's been mm. looking for those, you know, mm. for that cultural baggage that is also, like, an identifier of, like, how you, who you are and, and what you can do and, and that search for existential meaning. So I was like, wow, you should um, do some men's work. Well, but so I didn't look, know what that was. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, put him onto it. It is the best, best thing in the world um, for men. Um, mm. uh, and you know, there's, there's, I, like, because like, women, I, women have more of that stuff. Because our cultural narrative is like women share their feelings and men don't, and yeah, so there is more opportunity for connection. But yeah. I mean, like, there, there's heaps of um, equivalent stuff for women too, which is really awesome. So right. uh, my wife has a group. I'm actually doing an app for the moment. Or Jane Howard Collins, who does these, uh, actually, see on the wall behind me, that's the poster mm -hmm. for her thing. And it's um, it's phases of a woman's life, maiden, mother, Marga Crone, Marga being sort of um, an in-between one there. But um, uh, the notion of cycles, um, and so she does this course uh, called the Four Season Journey, which is a year-long course that you do it includes things like um a wilderness solo where you're out by yourself Ooh. for three days um maybe with just water um oh my gosh. yeah but yeah like really kind of um and connecting with your your female body and everything that is about that um wow yeah 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 so so is that the of shamanic woman class? that's her that's it oh, okay I'm looking yeah. At that. that's yeah amazing. yeah cool uh I mean, yes 
Oh, no, sorry. Go no, I was just going to say I'm working with her at the moment, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, I'm so interested in, in your take. So, I mean, going back to your original question, which was, yeah, I am interested in, in understanding, like, what's the, what's the individual work and what's the collective work that sure, um, sure. you're interested in? So, so for, what's, your, what's your timeline today? Like, I, I wouldn't have been able to talk to this long except the kids are with my folks, so I've got whatever. Um, yeah, um, how about you? Um, ooh, let me just check. I do have one message. I it's think 10 o'clock now. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so easy to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, this is cool. I hope I'm recording. I am. Um, cool. Yeah, I probably have about uh, another half an hour. Okay. Let's talk for... Yeah, yeah, let's just talk for half an hour. I made, what, I made a couple of notes. Uh, we haven't talked about your work yet. I was going to ask you about quantum computing. And then there was also um, MF meaning on blockchain is very kind of, I don't know, like a whatever question. Um, and, then, and, then, and then the other one is too, I was just like, you know, you're, you're deep in the industry, what's hot and blah, blah, blah. But let's, let's um, let me tell you a little bit about men's work and then we'll see what happens next. Um, I'm gonna just roll the cigarette now. I can't, no, I'm gonna save it till after the podcast. Um, sure. Uh, okay. Are you allowed to look inside? I'm no, like, no, mind. I'm not. So, like, I could go out there, but I, a few people have arrived here as well. So, it might be a distracting situation. Um, so, wow, this is really interesting. Like, I'm 100% going to tell you, but I also, just before I do, in looking into it, I was like, so I'm not going to tell you. And I realized there is a genuine, without but like there is a, a, a genuine, um, oh, what's the term that you use? Like uh, a secret men's business kind of mm -hmm. element to that, right? There is actually, yeah. I'm not like, and, and it's not a, like, it's so, yeah, you know, there's, there's certain things that are spoilers that I, I think you just need to, to go and do it. But um, men's work is really, sitting in a circle with other men sharing like like with the 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 purpose of um it, it's very it's not the same but it's, it's very similar to seeing a therapist it's about facing your own demons and it's about being the best version of yourself and like striving to be completely authentic mm. um and and being supported in that uh then um so yeah uh like typically and this is true i know for women's circles as well you start with a check-in um this is what's going on in you know this is what's relevant and important for me and and um sort of go around and then yeah th there might be a thread that's there that's picked up on and, and delved into or, or there might be someone who's going through something and, and needs support and it's kind of dived into and there's um you know and everyone will have their own groups but there's there's um basic premises confidentiality absolutely being one of them um but there's some some interesting ones too that um are very powerful that might not be so obvious one being um what's usually called the use of i statements so literally always I'll talk about myself I don't use generalizations like people uh, you, you know when this happens and like instead mm -hmm. 
when I such and and like there's something um, there's something very powerful about that. I've, I've heard a lot of men uh, just realize because what happens, I think, is you take responsibility. Do you hear what I just said? Then I said yeah. you take responsibility. Not yeah. when I use I statements, I take responsibility for what I'm saying. So I'm really owning what I'm saying instead of projecting it out into the world, right? And um, <laughs> yeah, and, and look, it's a really good one. It's a really, that, that's a great thing to just practice uh, for anyone. Um, Absolutely. It yeah. is very easy to, um, I, I'm very, um, I'm one of those people um, who, you know, I try very hard to say, I'll speak for myself, my experience, so on and mm. so forth. And then I get to a place where I'm so afraid to lean in that I start hyper, uh, hyper intellectualizing everything and sort of going to this place of like, well, theoretically, like, let's, let's take everything to this level of um, other people and people over there and stuff over there because I'm scared to be part of this in some way or I'm not ready or my body and my mind aren't connected right now. And, um, and I'm just going to push it all outward. But when you start with an awareness of like, oh, um, maybe I'll start using I statements or maybe I will start using nonviolent communication tactics like saying yes and instead of um, yes but and, and things like that like that's deeply transformational the the engineering mm. team at Pegasus like got so much when I left the thing that everyone said that they got out of me being there was yes and because it helped open up conversations in, mm. a, new, in a new way and so yeah I, I hear that language is so important mm. and mm. um responsibility is so important so there's like a personal responsibility piece there and there's a listening piece it sounds like yeah and then pulling out a thread the, the one other one i'll mention too is like not giving advice is um yeah so it is an opportunity to and men are sort of stereotyped as we, we want to solve problems and um but yeah there's the opportunity to just share and and there's no feedback given so it's all it's all self-work right it's it's supported self-work you know you're, you're um, and responsibility is key there yeah anyway mm. that's my yeah. summary there is something nice about i'm in a women's group where we talk about a book every week and we just get oh, nice. a chance to say our thing and you know and nobody's giving feedback afterwards and there is that there's some deep healing in just hearing yourself speak your truth and then mm. having everyone else just say, you know, thank you and receive it. And um, yeah, there's a personal responsibility that starts to become more and more integrated with your everyday life. So, and I'm, I'm also now hyper aware of using you. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. That, that's amazing. But what does it take, I guess, for, for a man to feel comfortable even showing up to a space like that? Are there rites of passage they have to pass through or feel that it generally they feel like they need to do first or are, are men well, this is this is why common ground is amazing actually mm. because it is a process and each week there's something different and each one would be a little bit different but generally there are processes um that delve into things like really understanding your relationship with your father for example mm. and 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 very like so is it a nine a nine week course I think and there's there's some things that that are hit on there that are really well honed for getting right into the heart of a person. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So okay, I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna check that out and send it to some people I love cool. uh, in case they're interested in case it fits. 
Cool. That, um, that, that makes me really happy. Yeah, I think um, the more men that do that, the better world we have. I completely agree. And like, and thank you for sharing that. I know it's not, it's not always easy. Um, and it's hard to know sometimes who your allies are or what mm. triggers people have. And, and um, yeah, I, I just really always appreciate it when people are willing to talk about stuff that is, there is a sacredness to what you're doing that you're allowed to protect, but then it's also great that you want to share um, the fact that you're doing this work and that you are an advocate for this work because it's important work. And I, yeah, I'm a fan. Thank you. Thank you for asking about it. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I really care about it. And this is the first time I've ever spoken about it publicly. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think. I Congratulations. Mean, I, well, I don't, I don't publicly speak except for my podcast now. I, yeah, I try not to. <laughs> I was on a panel the other day and I was like, what am I doing here? I don't publicly speak anymore. <laughs> yeah, the pandemic. I feel, I used to feel a lot more confident in my opinions and then I realized kind of what you were saying before, which is that, you know, opinions are, are cheap, but then it's, it's okay to have an opinion. It's okay to voice it. But then there's also like deep truths that I have in me that I don't want to say and have someone like rip me apart for. And that's some work maybe I'll do in my thirties um, around Ooh. being comfortable with. Yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? I, that's a significant thing for me. And look, you know, honestly, I feel comfortable and I, I, I think there's a whole lot of years uh, listeners at this stage, but um, oh, to yeah. actually go and like put myself out into the world, um, I mean, that's something that would have terrified me most of my life. Mm. Um, yeah, like, like going, this is who I am. And yeah, I've listened to a lot of voices who, you know, have a lot of judgments about some of the things that are actually very core to who I am or, or maybe just what I think and want to explore. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I feel like I don't know how well I'll articulate this, but the world that we live in now and Twitter is the, the embodiment of just, I think, I think we've lived in very, small worlds that are mostly comprised of the ideas of what our parents are about reality that are actually quite diverse, but all with a shared illusion that we actually have the one reality that's fairly common. And then like, and that's just even within a Western society, but globally. And then we've been confronted for the first time with how seemingly diverse our ideas are. I, mm. I, have a theory that perhaps we're not that different, but there's things that we hold dear that look like the opposite opinions, but actually maybe the motivation behind those is still the same. But just like, it's such a hostile, I'm not on Twitter, <laughs> but I mean, I think I, yeah, but I, it like the, the hostility, the anger, the like, that the vitriol of this time is just, um, uh, or for against opinions, not against yeah. actions in the world. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's well put. Yeah, it, it's like the arguments are about about opinions and not about. Yeah, that's I, that's a really interesting point, um, and part of the reason I stay away from Twitter. But when I hear about, you know, my friend, for example, is someone who has spoken up on Twitter about something and is being harassed, and and there's a coordinated attack 
sort of happening on her where people are organizing to to sort of take her down and it's like for saying what though for like making one statement as one person in this world she's getting backlash that is so toxic i can't even you know fathom what that would feel like and it's so i don't know yeah it's, it's just that kind of stuff that makes me sad because i i agree with you i think like we're all coming from a place of um well we all have very similar places that we come from um and a lot of it's like fear and anxiety and isolation or loneliness and a lot of it's um you know the the our dharma like our 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 quest to like find our purpose or do the thing we're meant to be doing and it's sad that we're getting waylaid by these um these conversations that are are meaningless sort of at the end of the day or circular yeah So when you say before what you were saying about ideas like or the diversity of our thoughts or ideas are you I'd like to dig more into what you what you mean with um, do you feel like there aren't that many diverse ideas because we have had all of the ideas and we're kind of just telling each other different versions of them or oh. do you feel like what 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 sort of are you um, no, no, I mean, to there? okay I'm, I'm, um, I'm probably like a, a really good example is maybe something like uh, US politics Mm, okay. It's like um, I'm going to throw Trump out there, who's a chair. You know, that's like just um, the how powerfully how powerfully opposed the the views are. Mm. Um, and I, I get yeah about him about yep yep is he saving the the world? There's, a, there's this whole QAnon movement thing that exists, and then. You know, or or the Antichrist and and you know, the reincarnation of Hitler, um, and there's no meaningful dialogue starting from either of those places. Mm. But that's what most of the shouting is. Um, so loud. Uh, yeah, and I just uh, underneath. And I don't know. I have a tendency to. I, I want to kind of simplify things, and and I, no, you know, and I'm pretty big on. We're all, all one, and all of us. Uh, we are. We're all made yeah, up of the same material. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of like you know. I I there's. You know, I wonder if it's the same underlying need in someone who hates and someone who loves Trump, which is. Um, that's funny. As, as I was going to say that, then my own opinion about that arose to say, no, 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 they're two different things, which is, um, but yeah, we all want to have a safe life full of joy and security mm -hmm. and, um, and we want that for others as well. I think that's true. I agree. I think we all want to meet our needs and we all want others to have their needs met. And then it's just about maybe the, the ways in which we perceive that either happening or not happening and then the vessels that people become for um, perpetuating our ideas about, you know, whether or not our needs are being met or whether or not justice is being, I mean, yeah, is, is being served. But even that's like a level up from what I think you're talking about. Like that simplicity of just like, we're all here trying to figure out what the hell is going on mm. and trying to, trying to make sure that we get something out of, um, out of being here and that other people do too. And it's not that hard, but we, 
we can we make everything super complex until we're having these conversations at a level that is impossible then to help us tap back into what's real and um i find that really hard because i'm i'm part of that problem it's very difficult to go back to a place <laughs> of like you and i both want kind of the same thing but you know we disagree fundamentally on something that societally we're told we're not allowed to come to a middle ground on anyway so mm. what's the point of having this conversation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um I, I think too, um, when one's needs are met, then it's easier to be generous. Mm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think and observe a natural tendency to look after oneself and one's family and then expand out to community and then nation and then the world, like the more, okay, this is all okay. And, but the confounding factor there is then this delusion that we have that we don't have everything that we need. Right. Yeah. Bottomless pit. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Because I mean, that's a Bhutanese principle of uh, one of the, like the indexes. Um, and the, there's sort of like this story that I was told by a, a Bhutanese monk who's quite well-respected and has done a lot of work on the, the nine indicators of happiness in Bhutan. And he talks about having your cup filled up. Just, just to the line, and then yeah. once your cup is full, you, you can start filling other cups, right? And we've uh, we've talked about that in a, you know, in a Western context too. A lot of people say like that fills my cup or whatever. Mm. What that really means is you've gotten up to you have exactly what is necessary for you to be safe, you know, mm. and and for you to start being a generative piece of this universe, right? You know, in this moment. And um, unfortunately, I think we've been skewed by this t tendency in the system to that of capitalism or whatever it's become this this yeah, like cup is full get a bigger cup yeah get a <laughs> you can never have a get a supersized cup like yeah, yeah, yeah. like there's never going to be a big enough <clears throat> cup and also like yeah. if you don't if you don't get your cup full sooner like people behind you in line are going to get in front of you in line and there's like yeah. and then all of the complexities of like well what if you know what if this happens what if this happens and there is no line there's just you and your cup and after that there's you being generous to the world but it's it's yeah it's not a very difficult concept and yet it is so hard to connect into on a daily basis and i constantly feel like i'm getting caught up in the perplexity and the complexity when i could just be filling up my cup <laughs> mm, mm. cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so how how are we doing for time? What do you what do you uh I've got about fifteen. All right. Let's um <clears throat> I I do just want to say I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took took us a little while to get around to it. Um I also wanna kind of upload and release this one straight away for tomorrow, if that's okay with you. Sure. I'm trying to keep it two weeks ahead, but I'm two weeks behind at the moment. So ah, well, I think I played a part in that. So I mean, absolutely, oh. please. Yeah, um, I don't mind at all. Cool. So I think I will um, then finish about finally asking you about about your work. Does that does that sound alright? Um, sure. Yeah. 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 That sounds so, great. Yeah, it brings it back to a little blockchain thing, and um, yeah. Yeah. What are you going to call this episode? Like, yeah. it's, it's kind of ballooned out but um yeah no so my work currently is is i actually started a um a company called fifth dimension security about a year ago with um some friends some who used to work at consensus as well 
And um, yeah, we have been essentially just finding a way to verify within systems um, whether or not you know users should be doing what they're doing if it's high risk um, or high uh, stakes. So for critical infrastructure protection, we're essentially just like a verification method in real time with humans in the loop. Then um, about a year after starting a company in the pandemic um, and kind of spinning our wheels to build an MVP to just get this product sort of on the market, uh, we were approached by another company that does distributed um, secure file storage. Uh, and that's another great use case for blockchain. And so we've kind of merged now our products. And so our product, which is this authorization verification uh, tool, SaaS, sits on top of um, a platform that distributes your files in secure um, bytes, bits and bytes, essentially all over the world. And so together, um, our teams have kind of moved towards uh, market release that we will be doing in a couple of weeks. And we're, um, we're doing quite well. So the team's distributed across Sydney, Brisbane. I'm in Melbourne, moving to Sydney for a bit to work with the team and, and get the product roadmap sort of sorted. But um, because blockchain's back in vogue, uh, we've gotten a lot of support and a lot of uh, mm. interest from mm. especially markets um, or customers or audiences that are working in um, highly sensitive or critical data protection sort of uh, scenarios. So yeah, that's cool. the work. Awesome. Uh, so your your original part is um, so say a use case might be there's a bank account or more like say a you know, tokens with millions of dollars and sort of like, if we're going to move more than a certain amount, then mm. three signatures and, and, and it's a configurable uh, access layer. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. Um, yes. Here's an accessible way to think about it. Um, yeah. So, in, so say your problem is that you're, uh, you have an account in a private investment bank and in the GFC, this actually was a really big problem. There were people um, who were managing other, you know, wealth managers who were managing their clients' accounts and they were charging for services that uh, were never actually rendered and they were, or they were moving large sums of money or the customer was money laundering or, you know, there were all of these issues that started to come out and, and mm -hmm. threads that were pulled <clears throat> and they haven't necessarily been solved, but we have tried to solve them through things like four eyes checks where like, you know, a certain number of context aware stakeholders have to sign off on transactions bigger than X or at, um, a cadence that's like X, um, how many, however many times in whatever time period, all of these configurable business rules basically, or logic, um, that right now, like humans are just kind of filling the gap and it's very slow. So it takes time to process, um, a transaction that someone tries to initiate or they are just allowed to do it. So if a customer is like, I'm going to move all of my money to the Cayman Islands, um, and I just got it yesterday. Like sometimes that will just go through and then audit will pick it up in like a year. Mm. Um, so, you know, in the context of something like that, um, if a bad actor is moving money around or is, um, or is downloading a lot of data they shouldn't be or is trying to change logs um, to hide something like that, um, basically our mechanism is, is letting a certain number of, again, it's configurable, but a certain number of stakeholders who are aware of, of what the context should be around this particular scenario. Um, they get like a notification that says this person's trying to do this. Should should they? Yes or no? And then you can say yes, no. Um, if a certain number of people say yes, if a certain number of rules are met, um, it can go through. Otherwise, you've stopped um, a malicious command before it could be actually executed. So, 
Cool. And does that still exist as a standalone offering? Yes, it does. Cool. Um, so I'd like to have another conversation about that for the project I'm working on. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and another bit I want to just ask you about, and this is because I've never, I've never quite wrapped my head around the distributed file storage. And mm -hmm. so there was big, um, oh, shoot, I just remembered something else that I wanted to mention in this talk, but I'm not going to. Um, can we talk again sometime? Yeah, of course. Awesome. Definitely. <laughs> um, but... I am going to just ask about, because you're saying you've partnered with this, this distributed file system. So the, the, the big one um, was uh, IBFT. The, it, no, 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 no. IBFS. No, no. Thank you. Interplanetary yeah. file system. Mm -hmm. Sounds awesome. And it's like, all right, files are all just out there. And my understanding of what that actually is, I think, is simply that when you take a file, you do the hash, the hash then effectively becomes the address of how to access that file. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this giant indexing system because a hash is always this unique thing. And then so with it, and like, that's a cool idea. But then I think um, IPFS, all it, what it's like, then anyone can sort of store whichever parts of IP, IPFS they want to. Mm. But there's like, I had the idea that there was, when I first heard about it, that there was some storage that kind of came into there. So I assumed there was some kind of incentivization mechanism for storing things. I remember very early kind of hearing like, well, no, there's no reason why a file couldn't disappear off of that. And then, yeah, right? right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and which, I, and then I was like, oh, I'm much less interested in this now as, as someone who's usually building, you know, applications of some kind. And right. it's like, like a file storage system for the planet that doesn't have, but, but I don't know, like that's, I've, yeah. I've basically given you the extent of my understanding. No, I mean, I think that's like the perfect landscape that you've like painted um, for what most file systems kind of look like. And then for us, like you've painted kind of like the, the gaps and the weaknesses that I see as well, especially when it comes to like using something right now that's ready. And so actually like the difference between something like IPFS and then BitsCore, um, BitSync is the product that, um, that these guys who are great, um, this team of engineers had come up with before we joined, um, which is this idea of you just have like a regular old, it's like Google Drive, you've got your drive, you've got your vault, whatever, where you're storing really important files. Um, and it's, you know, you, you can on-prem or through a ver through various like cloud providers, um, you can divvy up like the storage of your, um, of your actual like data file by having it shredded into multiple pieces that are so small that all of those pieces head to different, um, different servers or, you know, again, you can yeah, go on-prem. Yeah. And then there's enough redundancy that if you lose a server, like ransomware attack or something, you can just burn it and it self-heals by um, recreating cool. like another copy of that bit. But all of the bits are so um, distributed that uh, it's not just like one hash that you're in, you know, you're kind of calling back to. It's um, you, once you have the key and you can pull them all back together, you have the, the file that you can read in VM. But yeah, is that different from your understanding of like IPFS or? Um, yeah, I guess I didn't know, but I'm not surprised to hear that it is shredded as well. Yeah. Um, and, and 
does um what sorry what's the company again you just said it bitsync well bitscore is the name of the company okay, it's like a, it's a, a, a yeah bitsync and, is the first product on a computational distributed platform and do they answer then that issue of like can you go i don't want this to ever get remove these files or, or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's tons yeah. of access yeah. control pieces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so that's kind of why like our products fit so well in as well. Cause there's a lot of um, like one great use cases, <clears throat> the police or people that are working in internet with, you know, say they're working on a pedophile ring yeah, okay. um, case or something like there, you want to have very limited access control. You also want to make sure that you can take back um, information and, and do all kinds of things in the system. And then when it's stored, it is not just encrypted at rest somewhere um, or, you know, slightly disguised, but rather is, is so jumbled that like nobody could make sense of it and gotcha. look over yeah. the whole network. So, so yeah. the purpose of this product is you've got sensitive information and if there's a breach somewhere, it's yeah. not that the, the information is not leaked. Someone needs to get to those keys to be able to retrieve the information which then yeah then you just solve the key problem and you're good yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is something we're working on <laughs> yeah no that, that yeah that's i mean that was i think that was half our conversations with corporates it's like people can't <laughs> people can't hold their own keys and i yeah tell me when you solve that one <laughs> yeah trust me we're working on it <laughs> will do um let's finish there um again thank you so much that was awesome such a great thank you such a great way to start a monday thank you yeah (laughs) cool um i'll i'll uh i'll let you know as soon as it's up there i'll try and include i'll include um the link to um the men's work stuff but if you want to flick me the links of um your companies and things like that and i'm i'm do you want to have a separate conversation? Yes, definitely. I'm looking forward to that. I will flick you this just in chat right now. Um, and then 5BS as well, which is still up. So it's still. And if you ever want to see a demo, my goodness, do I have demos? What, um, yeah, send me a demo. We'll do. Okay. Cool. So, All right. Uh, have a great right. Monday and a great week. <laughs> And I'll Thanks. talk to you again sometime. Hey, so great to catch up too. Yeah, really yeah. nice to see you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have a good, good, one. Yeah. Have a good day. You too. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hello. Hello. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Uh, all right, cool. So I'm recording already. Okay. Um, Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you've had a good night's sleep. That is good. That's cool. Um, More and more rare. Yeah, yeah. That's true for me too. Um, What's uh, what's your Monday looking like at the moment? What are your plans? Well, I found out very sadly that we don't have... I I think you guys over there have... um, Anzac Day observed today. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't, but I was planning oh. on having it observed. But um, I'm actually uh, preparing a demo for the Cybersecurity Council um, for the uh, blockchain working group for tomorrow. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think should we just start the podcast? And do you want to? Sure. Hear-
talk about your um, work stuff. This is probably, do you have any idea what you'd like to talk about? I have no plans. I just, it'd be great to talk to you. Yeah. I mean, I was, I had a couple of ideas, but then there, there's one that I really want to talk about, but I think that I'm not ready to talk about it. It, because it's just like still too fresh and it has to do with, with like sexism. So I think I'm oh, wow. on that one. Yeah. It's a really big one. Um, and I know you're recording right now, but I'm assuming we can cut this part out, right? Yeah. Can. What I have been doing is um, at the end of the podcast, I've put the preamble bit after a break. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah. If you're okay with that, I'll leave that in. And then this can be the uh, teaser, no double entendre, unintended, <laughs> um, for a future one, if you want to talk to me again. Um, sure. But yeah, all right, I'm going to do the intro and then I'm just going to ask you about your work and we'll go into work stuff. Does that sound yeah. or whatever? All right. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> cool. Okay. So, what's your surname? Meyer? Meyer Stewart. A fun Meyer Stewart, that's one. right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, here we go. 